This is Agents Influence Podcast. If you can nurture a group of like-minded people, those people over time become fans because they feel safer and comfortable. That's exactly what you've done with this podcast. With the group of people that are meeting in April, those hundred lucky select people that you're choosing, because they're going to be together with like-minded people and they'll feel safer and comfortable explaining what's going on in their business. And whether you knew about the technique or not, all of us can do that in the way that we organize our business. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast Conversations with Jay Cass right here rocking the mic. Today I've got Mr. David Meerman Scott. So I, I really, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this guy. Um, I'll be honest, I know I've read some stuff out there on Facebook uh, about him. His, uh, what he does is how to turn our people that we, um, are here to serve into fans. And, uh, I've heard, um, I don't know what I want is I'm anxious because loyal listeners as everything, I do not know David. We've never spoke until the last five to 10 minutes, but today is December 21st of 2021. You're listening to this in 2022. So I hope the year is already starting off uh, with your goals in mind and you see them in sight and you're able to achieve them because 2022 is going to be an electric year. Every year that we can get away from 2020 is one year step forward. That's what I consider. So anyways, loyal listeners want to remind you, um, it may have probably opened by now, but if it if it's within, we opened on January 17th for our event, which our event is BrainShare. It's April 27th and 28th in Kansas City, Missouri. It's the one you always want to go to. It's 100 invite. It's 100 people only, invite only. Go to AIBrainShare.com, AIBrainShare.com, request an invite, and I am going to personally reach out to you and say, hey, Yes, you can come. No, you can't come. Or I'm going to ask you some questions just to make sure that you're going to fit in with this superior group that we assemble. This will be our seventh one. Can you believe that, loyal listeners? You remember back in 2015 when we had our first? This is going to be our seventh one. Looking forward to it. So let's get on with this conversation. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Thanks a lot um, for having me on. Fantastic. You ready for this? I'm ready, and I'm glad you used the word fan as in fantastic. That's right. I like it. <laughs> um, because that's what it's all about. 2022, a fantastic year. I like that. Um, yeah, what, a 2020, really not so much fun, was it? Um, but we are we are rocking and rolling now. We're still trying to shake it off, but it's kind of like where you really got drunk really bad, and it takes maybe two days to get over. We're like done with the first day. We're starting to get into the second, feeling a little better. Uh, so yeah, so it's uh, it's all about what you make it. So here we go. First three questions, and we're going to get on with you, um, which is, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user, David? 
I am iPhone. Uh, in fact, I got my iPhone 13 Pro Max um, on the very first day when it was announced. And I went in to pick it up because that's how I could get it faster. Like I was super early with iPhone, iPhone 13. And as I brought it in, I casually mentioned to the salesperson that I, I started with an iPhone 1. And he goes, oh my gosh, do you still have the box? And I said, yeah, because I'm a geek and I save stuff, I've still got the box. And he goes, if it's serial number matched your iPhone 1 with the iPhone 1 box, it's worth almost $2,000 on eBay. So I thought, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I'm an iPhone guy. It was a long wow. answer for a simple No, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> and I do. I found that I actually rooted around in my junk, my junk drawer and I found the iPhone 1 original box. So it's worth some cash. Two thousand dollars. I'm not going to no, sell it. No, no, hell no. Because because I'm a geek and I save stuff. Yeah, and not only that, your grandkids will be happy because that shit will be worth a lot of money. Hey, David. Who knows? David, this is interesting. I must fill in the loyal listeners real quick because a lot of them are listening on the podcast. A lot of them are listening on YouTube or Facebook. They're watching us on YouTube or Facebook. And and for you that are not watching us, behind over David's left shoulder, he has a no. Sorry, sorry, left shoulder. Yes, he has. Yeah, right shoulder. Excuse me, right shoulder, David, on my left side. He has the symbol of the Grateful Dead. Now, I don't know about yeah. you. That is beeping awesome, dude. I first want to ever. So I'm, um, I'm an incredible Grateful Dead fan. I've been to um, nearly 100 concerts. The first one when I was 17 years old oh, was January 17th. 1979. So you can age wow. me there. I'm si I'm 60 years old. Uh, I wrote a book called Marketing Lessons from the Grateful Dead. Um, and my geekdom even made it into a book, um, became an international bestseller. And just a couple of uh, months ago, actually in October of 2021, I purchased at a Sotheby's auction Bob Weir's No Fun Guitar, his go-to instrument between 1983 and 1985. And in a really interesting, simple twist of fate, the first time Bob Weir played that guitar was October 11th, 1983 at Madison Square Garden. I was at that concert. Get the hell so out of here. You asked about the Grateful Dead over my shoulder. Um, massive fan. Uh, you weren't expecting, I don't think, an answer quite like well, that. Well, <laughs> maybe so. So I'm a Dave Matthews groupie. Nothing compared, yep. but kind of the new age thing. Well, been to about been to about 34 shows, not 100. Uh, followed them. Did a lot of drugs when I was younger at the early age, as yeah. I imagine you did, David. But I think that's what's given us the vision and sometimes looking at the world differently than it was before. Now, loyal listeners, don't freak out. I mean, I wasn't even doing hard drugs. I've never done most drugs uh -huh. that are out there. We're just talking about the ones that you do at the concert, like the old cannabis yeah. and some other things. But yeah. So anyways, that and, and my loyal listeners, David, David, they know that I'm still a cannabis user. I'm very open as to what I use, but I love that. Over the uh, left side, he's got a, um, a surfboard behind him. Also has a, uh, a, a uh, that looks like a, one of the Apollo uh, rockets yeah. or something. A uh, model of the Saturn V rocket. So the surfboard over my shoulder, um, I, I'm a huge fan of surfing. I'm not very good at it, but I love to surf. Happens to be a grain surfboards surfboard that I made at the grain surfboards factory in York, Maine. 
I'm also a fan of the Apollo Lunar Program. I have a collection of artifacts from the Apollo Lunar Program. If anyone wants to geek out, apolloartifacts.com for my collection. Another one of my books is called Marketing the Moon, and that um, turned into a three-part American Experience PBS miniseries called Chasing the Moon. What, I'm, I, what I've been about my whole career wow. is trying to figure out the things I love, the Grateful Dead, the Apollo Program, uh, fandom, and figuring out how I can apply those things to business. And it's been a super fun ride to be able to look at, for example, The Grateful Dead allowed fans to record their concerts. Everyone else said, no, don't record the That's concerts. Right. You, you, Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, didn't matter. You weren't allowed to record the concerts. The Grateful Dead sure, said, sure, why not? As a result, they created a social network before Mark Zuckerberg was even born. As a result of that, they became the most popular touring band in uh, in history up to 1990s and uh, and made billions of dollars in concert tickets. In fact, they're still touring um, as Dead & Company with John Mayer filling in for the Jerry Garcia role since since he died. How good is that going to um, be, you know? And, and he's amazing. And I saw them six times in 2021 alone. Um, I'm still spending tons of money on concert tickets. I probably spent $50,000 on Grateful Dead concert tickets. But this idea of building fans of a business is um, I, I, I've sort of come up with these ideas based on the things that I love. Surfing, the Grateful Dead, the Apollo Lunar Program. And, um, and what's so cool is that you don't have to market like everybody else. You don't have to like try to buy ads or cold call. You build fans and people want to do business with you. This is great. I'm over here taking notes because I you, you've got so much good stuff coming out. Um, this is interesting, David. I had no idea. Loyal listeners, you've already had a treat. Let's go on to the next question. Um, we got uh, I got sidetracked there because I have. Right now, you said you said three easy questions, and I'm like uh, already riffing. Yeah, no, no, it's great though because I expanded my my uh, my 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 view on my screen, and that's when I saw the Grateful Dead. I didn't see that earlier. It was kind of giving me narrow. So sort of snuck up it, on it you. Did, there. It did, and I love it. I mean, I love it. I remember what was it when was it 93, 94 when Jerry Garcia died? Ninety. 1995 1995 i knew it was close because like that's when i was i was a senior and or no excuse me yeah i was a senior and i was just getting to where like i was going to concerts i remember i went to one yeah. concert at the amphitheater here in st louis and he played and my friends were yeah. like that's jerry garcia and i'm kind of like who the hell's jerry garcia you know <laughs> and then he passes yeah. and i'm like oh shit you know so yeah uh, Good, good, th good thing you saw him when you. Could. Yeah, I mean, and I, man, I probably watched him for two seconds because I just didn't realize who it was. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose, David? I love to win more than I hate to lose. Any reason why you would say that? No, I mean, I don't. I, I, I think the reason is that I, I, I really don't focus on the past. Um, what, what happened has happened. I can't change it. I can learn from it, but I can't change it. So, um, you know, if I lost, I lost, I figure out how to make it better next time. Love it. Love it, man. Last question. Skill or luck we believe has got you to where you are today. If you had to choose one, what one is probably a bigger factor in your life today? Skill or luck? Well, I absolutely believe you make your own luck. So I'd have to put skill as that. Okay. One. Makes sense. 
Makes total sense. David, appreciate it. We've already got a little bit of background from you and, and well, not so much your background, but the things you like. If you would take us back to high school or college, back to maybe when you were about 17, and in about three to four minutes, bring us forward to how David got to be 60-year-old right, right where he is now. <laughs> yeah, well, I already told you about The Grateful Dead. I was, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge live music in general ah. fan. My f first concert I went to was uh, when I was 15 years old, and it was actually happened to be Aerosmith, and there was a really young band at that time um, at Madison Square Garden in New York City. The Ramones played my high school. Um, in college, um, I, I road tripped with my friends to see Bob Marley at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh, Damn! Pennsylvania. Happened to be Bob Marley's last concert. I'm the only person known to have taken photographs at Bob Marley's last concert, historic photographs. Um, I have a spreadsheet where I list all of the concerts I've been to in my in my life. I didn't spreadsheets didn't exist when I first started going, but uh, I kept all my stick ticket stubs. And uh, I'm up. I, I'm at 862, I believe, concerts in my Holy lifetime. There was a crap. there was a there was a delay there in 20 and 21 because of COVID, and they didn't go to very many shows. But uh, sort of tentatively back to it now. Um, and then um, uh, I did an economics degree. I thought I wanted to be a bond trader. I worked on Wall Street. I was a terrible bond trader. But what I loved was the information that the bond traders were using. So I, I went into the information business, the real-time information business. I worked at companies like Dow Jones and Thomson Reuters um, for about uh, 15 years or so. I went to Tokyo when I was 26 years old to start the uh, Tokyo office of a Wall Street economic consulting company. Ended up living in Tokyo for 10 years. Um, as I like to joke, I went to Japan in uh, with two suitcases. I came back with a wife, a daughter, and 126 bonds. <laughs> And in 2000, and I'm a bit of a renegade, so um, ended up getting fired three different times in my career. Every, in each case that I got fired, I ended up with something more interesting and better afterwards. Happens, so all of them right? were good. All of them were good things. Most recently, was fired in 2002 from Thomson Reuters, and that's when I started my own business 20 years ago, 2002, and uh, and I have since then written 12 books. Four of them are international bestsellers. Uh, I'm probably best known for this book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR. It's um, been translated into 29 languages. This is the seventh edition. The eighth edition comes out in May 2022. Um, and this has sold um, nearly 500,000 copies in the English language alone. Wow. Um, and so I was thinking um, r about five years ago, uh, talking with my daughter, Reiko. She's now 28 years old. At that time, she would have been 22 or so. Um, and I said, Reiko, you know, we are just in this weird world now where the social networks, while they're important, are in becoming intrusive because of the algorithms. And people are abusing the social networking channels. They're sending yet another tweet, yet another Instagram post. They're trying to connect with you on LinkedIn and then immediately try to sell you something. The social media algorithms themselves are not tuned to show you what's important. They're tuned for um, showing disinformation. And they're tuned, uh, especially Facebook, towards negativity. 
and clicking on something in anger generates um, five to ten times more importance in the algorithm than, to, uh, than checking on something that you like because the algorithms are tuned to make Facebook more money. I believe Facebook to be the Facebook algorithm to be the most destructive technology ever invented. Think about that. The most destructive technology ever that. invented. So I was talking to Reiko about how I, I hate the social networks. They're still important, but I just don't like them. And at the same time, I said to Reiko, my God, massive Grateful Dead fan, massive fan of surfing. And she, massive fan of Harry Potter. Not only has she read all the books, you know, the movies, she wrote um, an alternative ending to the Harry Potter series, 85,000 word novel, where Draco Malfoy is a spy for the Order of the Phoenix. Put it on a fan fiction site. It was downloaded um, thousands and thousands of times, commented on hundreds of times. She's a huge fan of K-pop, Korean pop music. So we said, wow, on one hand, the social networks are a destructive technology. On the other hand, we're these we are huge fans of the things we love. So we decided to collaborate on what became what became this book, Fanocracy, Turning Fans into Customers and Customers into Fans. And so we wrote it together. We interviewed hundreds of people about what they're a fan of. You're a fan of D Dave Matthews, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, we interviewed hundreds of companies about how they've built fans. We talked to neuro neuroscientists about what's going on in our brains when we become a fan of something and how organizations can tap into fandom. Uh, the book came out in 2020. It hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It's in five languages now. And we're, um, uh, we're really excited about sharing with all kinds of different people this idea of fandom and how to grow a business. And so what's the name of the book? I love it and I'll butcher it. Fanocracy. Fanocracy. So it's like like democracy, but fandom. Fanocracy. So where that? What's the what's the thing behind that? You and uh, Rico. Rico. You and Rico came up with that together. I mean, we, uh, we 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 invented the word. We spent six months trying to come up with a title. What I wanted to do was come up with a title that we could own that we could own in the search engines, that we could own on the Amazon listings, that I could own the URL. This was the second time I've done this in a big way. The first time was about 10 years ago. I invented a concept called newsjacking. Newsjacking is the art and science of injecting your ideas into a breaking news story. So when there's a breaking news story, say, about some aspect of the insurance business in the state of Massachusetts, I live in Massachusetts, a smart insurance agent could write an instant blog post about what this new insurance regulation means, put it out there, and then the Boston Globe could say, oh, we have to do an article on this important thing. Let's do a search, find out who's talking about it. Oh, look, this agent is we should quote them in the article. And newsjacking became so popular and became such an important concept as a way to do marketing 
that um, it became listed in the Oxford English Dictionary, and that um, dictionary reference um, cites me as the founder of the newsjacking movement. So I wanted, and, and I own the URL for newsjacking, just like I own the URL for fanocracy. So I wanted to do the same thing with fanocracy, and we dug in deep, six months, to try to come up with a title that had those attributes, that when you hear it, fanocracy, you know, okay, I get it, it's, it's something about fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you go to a Google and you type in fanocracy, you find us. Um, if you if you go fanocracy.com, you come to us. And by the way, that's if you, if you want to learn a little bit about how to grow fans of your business, fanocracy.com is a good place to start. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Man, it's so 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 great, so intriguing, so many stories. You've lived so much. And and I, I, I say it again, and I'm not joking, I'm being serious. It all started back when you were younger, and I mean opening your mind to other things that people were not seeing. And uh fantastic, David. It just um you went with a couple Thank suit you. a couple suitcases to Japan and came back with a wife and and what'd you say, some kids or just one? A wife and one daughter, and uh, that's we have one child and uh, 126 boxes. <laughs> All right, so David, um, so fanocracy. What I mean, what is as summarized, not the book, but summarize. How do we make them fans? How do we make our clients and customers and people we're trying to serve our fans? So um, we we dug in deep on this topic, and one of the things that we really wanted to do was understand from the perspective of our brains, the neuroscience aspects of fandom. Why do we want to be a fan of something? You know, why do you, and, and, and in my case, Grateful Dead Surfing, the Apollo Lunar Program, in your case, Dave Matthews, and probably other mm-hmm. things, but people are fans of a sports team. They're fans of an author. They're fans of stamp collecting. They're fans of, um, uh, of bird watching. They're fans of playing a sport. They're fans of Peloton. They're fans of Apple. We talked about Apple yeah. when, we, when you first kicked off and asked me the iPhone versus Android question. So people become fans of lots of different things. It turns out by speaking with a number of different neuroscientists, that's what's actually going on in our brains is all humans are hardwired to want to be part of a tribe of like-minded people. Mm-hmm. We want to be a part of people who are just like us. And this is rooted in survival. It's a survival technique because tens of thousands of years ago, you know, proto-humans were wandering around in the forest or the, or the plains. And if we were with our group, we were safe and comfortable. If we weren't in our group, we were vulnerable. Mm -hmm. If we ran across a different group, we were vulnerable. So when I'm at a Grateful Dead concert, I'm safe and comfortable because I'm in my tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, If I walk onto a crowded elevator, 
I can feel nervous because I'm not in my tribe and I'm close to people who I don't know. So this idea is really important for the idea of building fans because if you can nurture, if you can nurture a group of like-minded people, those people over time become fans because they feel safer and comfortable. That's exactly what you've done with this podcast. It's exactly what you've done with the group of people that are meeting in April, those hundred lucky select people that you're choosing, because they're going to be together with like-minded people and they'll feel safer and comfortable explaining what's going on in their business. And, and, and you have actually used, whether you knew about the technique or not, you're using the technique and all of us can do that um, in the way that we organize our business. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So um so so we so the way you said we organize our business, what are some things? I mean, I I did it I did it I don't want to say the word subconsciously, but I did it in the fact that there was a growing change going on in the insurance industry. Um everybody lives in their own agency and thinks that everybody's yeah. the same. And it was like, yep. how can I get these voices out of these agencies and project them to other agents so these other agents and agency owners know that they're not alone and sometimes they may think they're the only one thinking something. Because when we can get yeah. all those voices organized, now we all look around and say, hey, we have power as a group to maybe approach our carriers, approach our vendors with kind of the same format. and. Exactly and, that was, right. and that was my whole whole thing. How can a business owner do something like that? I'm trying to think about that. So let me um, let me share one of my favorite stories from from the Fanocracy book. And you know, we have a number of different stories in the book, all different sorts of industries. But sometimes people say to us, "Well, David and and, and Reiko, you know." I can't build fans because, and then they make an excuse. I'm a dentist. I'm a doctor. I'm an insurance agent. I, I run a nonprofit business. I'm a B2B company, whatever it might be. So we look for all kinds of different organizations. And one of my favorites is Haggerty Insurance. So many of your, your listeners and viewers might know of Haggerty. They do classic car auto do insurance. do it well. I, I, hap I happen to have um, been a customer of Haggerty for more than 15 years. I have a 1973 Land Rover Series 3, and I love Haggerty, and I've always loved them. And in fact, if, Haggard, if, if another company were to come along and say, we've got classic car auto insurance and we're cheaper than Haggerty, I would not go with them because I'm a fan. So here are some of the things that Haggerty does. I interviewed McKeel Haggerty several different times in order to understand deeply what they're doing with their business. And he said to me right off the bat, David, we're actively going out to build fans. That's what we're doing. We're not in the insurance business. We're in the business of building fans of what we're doing. And so here are some of the things. And some of your listeners may already know this, like may it. already know Haggerty, but they go to classic car events around the country. They, um, they set up a tent. They provide valuable information to people who are, who are um, collectors of cars. They have a huge database of the values of classic cars that people can go to for free and find out what their car is worth. And that's real data because that's the data of how much money people are insuring those classic cars for. Mm -hmm. They have a YouTube channel with 
Over a million subscribers. They have a driver's club, Haggerty Driver's Club. Last time I checked, McKeel Haggerty told me that there are 650,000 members of the driver's club. It's providing all kinds of information that you can't get anywhere else about classic cars. So what they're doing is they're providing all kinds of valuable information that will be interesting to people who love classic cars. Um, and they're not trying to be the cheapest provider. They're not spending more money than the other guys on television ads. They're doing it around providing all this great information that in turn builds fans. So I spoke with Mikhail, um most recently, maybe six or eight months ago, and he said, David, it's working great. You know, we've got all these fans. We're the number one classic car insurance company in the entire planet, he told me. They also do boats, classic boats and classic airplanes, classic motorcycles. Um, but the primary focus is classic cars. And um, some of your listeners may know this. Um, they went public on the stock market in the last couple of I months. And I went, I bought some, I bought some shares because I'm that bullish. I'm that much of a fan. And that's a real, you know, as you know, you're in this business, as you know, that's a very different way to approach the insurance business that you want to build fans of your company as opposed to just selling them something. And here's the deal. And they, they built fans on the agent side. The people who actually sell them are actually buying our, our fans of it. Everybody knows. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, so, so in other words, it's a B to C play. You can buy directly from Haggerty and a B2B play, you can um, buy Haggerty's insurance through a broker. So they're making fans of the broker community, they're making fans of the end users, and it's all based on this wonderful way that they provide things of value that other people would say, no, that's not our business. It's not our business to make a YouTube channel about classic cars. We're in the insurance business. But no, it's not. It is a great way to build fans when you've realized that that's what classic car owners and, age, and the agents that support them want. And deep down, they've created fans of their competitors because our carriers, whether it be Hartford or Nationwide, I'm just pulling some out, they will come to us and say, you know what? We got into the fan classic car business. We're now going to start writing. We're someone to look at other than Haggerty. They always use yeah. that because they know that that's their. And what's amazing is they'll model their software and their programs after Haggerty, right? I know that's a competitor, but they're obviously a fan because they know who's doing it the right. Absolutely right. And then, like I said earlier, is. Um, I've got a 1973 Series 3 Land Rover. I love it. Um, it's insured by Haggerty, has been for 15 years. But if, if Hartford were to approach me or my insurance agent were to approach me and say, David, we can do it for 25% cheaper through the Hartford, I say, no, thank you. Right. Haggerty fan, I'm not going to leave them. And ultimately, awesome. that's, the, that's, what, that's the gold, is when people love you so much, they're not going to leave you. Um, um, and, and that is ultimately the goal in my mind is you build this tribe of like-minded people, the tribe of people who love Haggerty, very different way of doing business. Seth Godin, I imagine you're a Seth Godin fan. Yes. Yeah, I spoke with him on the phone uh, two days ago. Absolutely. Wow. Fantastic. Um, David, I mean, I guess, have you just met all these people because of your passion that's driven you towards trying to get this word out? Or do you know these people and you just say, hey, I need to meet this person to be able to get stuff done to get my, my word out there? 
Um, I, I home in on things that interest me, things that fascinate me. I'm always open to patterns in the universe that I'm seeing as being important that other people may not be seeing. And then I look, how do I, how can I um, learn more about this topic? And I tend to, when I find something I dig, I tend to dig in really deep. You know, if I love surfing, I tend to dig in pretty deep with surfing. I end up making my own wooden surfboard. If I love the Grateful Dead, I end up digging in deep and owning uh, Bob Weir, who's the, one of the founding members of the band's guitars that he used in the 1980s. I just dig in deep. So um, with um, the book, um, Fanocracy, I wanted to write about some stories that people hadn't heard before, that hadn't been in books before, that hadn't been talked about before. I didn't want to write about Apple. Everyone writes about Apple. Apple, wanted to write about grain surfboards or the Grateful Dead or Haggerty Insurance or Duracell batteries, other examples. And one of the um, things that we learned in our research that was so interesting to me and may be interesting to your audience, especially those people um, who are independents, um, who are brokers, is the importance of passion. You know, I sense your passion. Mm -hmm. It's coming through the screen loud and clear to me. Um, passion is infectious. And the idea of passion was the most surprising thing about building fans that we had never thought of. And until we dug into the topic of fandom, had never really um, considered before. Um, because people love to do business with people who are passionate about what they do. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, it doesn't have to be passion for that, the work that they do if they share the passion of what they love on, in their personal life. And I want to give a very specific example and relate that back maybe to a competitive insurance market. Okay. So imagine a competitive insurance market. I live in Boston. You know, I could go to Google and there'd be hundreds and hundreds there. of ind independent insurance agents who would love my business. Um, uh, uh, and... Uh, the same thing is true of dentists. So I speak at Tony Robbins Business Mastery events, um, one coming up actually in January, uh, and I've done that since 2014. Um, when we, it's now virtual, but when we do are doing it in person, I'd have 2,000 people in the room, and I have a two-hour time slot. And I talk about fandom. I talked about fandom, and Dr. John Marashi is a dentist. He came up to me after my talk and said, David, I love what you're talking about, but I'm a dentist. How can I build fans? No one wants to be fans of their dentist. And I said, well, Dr. Marashi, what do you love to do? And he said, oh, my God, I love to skateboard. And he goes, I said to him, well, why don't you combine your love of skateboarding with your dental practice? And that will help you to build fans. And he's like, well, that sounds kind of weird. And, and, he, and we chatted for a few minutes, uh -huh. five minutes, and, he, and then he left. Six months later, he reached out and goes, David, I did exactly what we talked about. I thought about it. And I said, I'm just going to go for it. So what did he do? He put skateboards on the walls of his uh, dental practice as decorations, like as works of art. He skateboards from one examination room to another. He puts uh, on his website, he put picture, pictures and videos of him skateboarding. He started an Instagram. It's Dr. John, J-O-N, Marashi, if you want to check it out. 
Um, he started an Instagram where some of the photos and videos are of him skateboarding. Yes, and some are also about dentistry, but many of them are, are him skateboarding. And I said, wow, that's really cool. Why don't you let me know in a, in a, in a six months or a year how it's going? He contacted me six months after he started the Instagram and started skateboarding around the office. And he said, David, it's been phenomenal. My business, the number of new patients has grown this year by 30%. The number of the amount of new revenue by 23%. I can attribute all of that increase to the fact that I now am talking about skateboarding. Because if you think about it, he, he works in the Los Angeles area, California. There are probably 10,000 dentists in Los Angeles. There's one skateboarding dentist. And people are attracted to that, not because they're a skateboarder. They're attracted to his passion. They're attracted to the fact that he loves to skateboard. They're attracted to, oh, my, de my dentist is wacky. He skateboards in the office. And they tell their friends, you know, and you can imagine so you know, somebody new moves in across the street and they say, I just moved in from Chicago. And do you know a good dentist? Oh, you ought to check out my dentist. He's a skateboarder, you know, and um, and Dr. Marashi um, and we've become friends because, I mean, God, I love what he does. Uh, but he is the epitome of this idea of passion. And I think everybody who's watching, everyone who's listening to this conversation can begin to build fans if they show passion in their work. And that passion can be the thing that you love in your personal life. One more quick story about passion. My daughter, I just want to tell one more really quick story. My daughter, Reiko, my co-author in Fanocracy is an emergency room doctor at Boston Medical Center. During COVID, she's head to toe in PPE. She's got a mask. She's got a, um, a hair thing. She's got um, scrubs. She's got, you know, a, a shield. The only thing you can see is, uh, you know, her eyes in front of a shield when she meets with a patient, especially one who has COVID. But she's learned that if she shares the passion she has for the Boston Bruins, through a mask with the Boston Bruins, uh, a T-shirt over the top of, of her PPE with a Boston Bruins logo. Um, sometimes she wears a pin with the Boston Bruins. Her patients light up because she's now shared the passion that she has for the Boston Bruins. She's no longer a, an alien emergency room doctor that you can only see the eyes. She's now a fan of the of the Boston Bruins. You don't even have to be a fellow fan, no. but you can light up. And you could be against the Boston Bruins and like the Pittsburgh Penguins, but you just love the fact that a doctor's showing up like that. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, and too, too few of us have... My work life, only on LinkedIn, and everything else is fun. We're going to do it over here. Um, I think when you combine the things that you love with your work, people, and I'm not sure I'd think this. I know yeah. this. You combine the things you love with your work, people are attracted to that passion. You build fans. You grow your business. Wow. David, I, 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 uh, yeah. This has been fantastic, David. It really, really, truly has. The people that word again, fantastic. There it is. It really has. Um, you've gotten me as a fan. You've definitely been one of the most intriguing guests that I've had, and I've had some damn good guests. 
Um, but you're Thank just, you, I love the way that you have passion for so many things. You, in this short period of time, you related so much and gave us so much juice because there are people out there. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like skateboarding, but if my dentist was all about skateboarding like that, had it everywhere and was skating, I would tell my friends and I would just be like, I'm going to this guy. And I don't even like skateboarding, you know, but I've been and it doesn't business. even matter. It doesn't even matter what it is, does it? It could be butterfly flight collecting. It could be yes. knitting. It could be, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And I've, I've been in businesses before where like, you're like, wow, this, this dude or this girl really likes so-and-so. And, 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 and that never shied me away. So I absolutely no. love it. Leaders are readers and readers are leaders. And you're definitely a leader. So I know you must be a reader. What are you reading right now, David? Uh, I'm, right now, I'm reading a book called The Empire of Pain. It's about um, the Sackler family that um, that ran Purdue Ph uh, Pharmaceutical, the company that made um, uh, OxyContin wow. and uh, contributed to the opioid crisis that kill, has killed 100,000 people. Um, it's kind of a downer of a book, but it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, next one, the next book I read won't be a downer of a book. I watch no television, zero. I'm probably going to watch the Beatles documentary, which will double the amount of television I'll wa I've watched in 2021 as we're recording this 2021. Um, and I, I read a lot. Um, don't watch the TV. That's a great way to build, build um, uh, the availability of time to do the things you love is to cut out television. Yeah. I'm a big television watcher from 12 to 6 on Sunday. I love watching there you I love go. watching football. That's my thing. There you go. You've got and that's that's cool. You got your time. Yeah. It's not like Because I'm a of fan of football. <laughs> I'm going to go everywhere now just thinking of that word fan because it really means yeah. a lot and you've really encapsulated it into really showing people how to do it. Uh, where can they find Fanocracy? Um, fanocracy available everywhere. Um, learn a lot if you just go to www.fanocracy.com. My full name is David Meerman Scott. I use my middle name professionally because I'm the only David Meerman Scott on the planet. And I think it's super important when people are looking for you that they can find you. So uh, Google my name, you'll find me um, on most of the social networks, Twitter, LinkedIn, and so on. I'm DM Scott, D-M-S-C-O-T-T. David, you've been fascinating. You've been fantastic. And I really think that your fanfare is huge and, and you exposed <laughs> it today. So I do greatly appreciate <laughs> your time. Fanfare, in other words. Right. Thank you very much. It's been great to be on. Hey, loyal listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this because as a loyal listener, this is what I do and I do it for you. Remember what I've always said and I always close off the same way. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass and David Meerman Scott and we are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com, check out what we do, because we do all those bad things that you can't do, really? 
and you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.